The Christopher Peter Review provides original content discussing salient current events impacting our public policy, economic outcomes, and overall society. My name is Christopher Peter and I welcome you to the Christopher Peter Review. I am a political economist who provides original content in the form of weekly podcasts on the Christopher Peter Review podcast and daily commentary on the Christopher Peter Review Perspective site. My goal is to provide objective commentary focused on effective and efficient problem-solving and idea generation that affords the greatest number of people the greatest amount of good. Please experience content on the Christopher Peter Review as it becomes available. My name is Jennifer Smith and I welcome you to our podcast. Our approach in the content you experience on the Christopher Peter Review is centered on facts, evidence, and data. Our podcasts are free of hysteria, partisan agendas, or promotion of any political party, candidate or organization. Simply what are the best ideas and solutions for our people, our economy, and America? Now, let us begin this podcast episode of the Christopher Peter Review. As a society, we need to stop listening to the loudest voices or the angriest people, but people who are able to see our issues and problems from a comprehensive perspective. Being passionate about something is important. But it is more important to be right about how we address our problems. And being right requires the solution to create the greatest good with the least amount of harm. The right solution is one that is considerate of how the policy approach selected impacts society from a holistic perspective. In our current divided heavily partisan style of government, there is a real concern that our big social issues will continue to be addressed in politically biased and ineffective manners. A common problem in our national discourse is that the people who make the loudest noise always speak on behalf of the smallest audiences. So we have a society where the fringe is appeased for political purposes and the rest of us have to make do with poor public policies that impact our economic outcomes, public safety, and quality of life. For our elected officials, you must remember that you have a responsibility to serve the interests of not only the coalition of fringe groups that got you elected, but everyone under the purview of your office. You cannot consider anyone's interest to be unworthy of your time or consideration especially when we discuss important issues like gun rights versus gun control. For quite some time, we have seen the impact of partisan problem-solving, where ideological rigidity creates obvious gaps in what should be common-sense solutions. For instance, the skyrocketing cost of energy did not have to happen. If we had used common sense and maintained a level of domestic production, which could have generated tax revenues to offset all the spending to fund sustainability projects, we would have seen a lower spike in energy. Many greener nations turn to domestic production in the midst of the crisis. Solutions need to solve the problems we have as Americans. Not the problems our elected officials choose to solve. We can take about public safety all we want, but if our elected officials only see law and order from one perspective or another exclusively, we will never solve the issues that plague us. Rarely does one side or the other have all the answers. If we want real solutions to our real problems, we need to see some better meshing of ideas, negotiating, and compromising to find that solution to our problems. That is what real leaders do. We should not simply bend the knee to the angry mob of hysteria-driven people who do not know what they truly want. Or to fringe elements who exploit situations to promote ideas that are more harmful to society. We are seeing this firsthand in the public policy failures that continue to plague our public safety. We need to do better. I continue to discuss the importance of maintaining law and order and promoting community safety. That is something I will not stop talking about. Because it is important. It is important that people are able to live in safe communities. Are able to operate a business in safe communities. Are able to work in communities. Are able to grocery shop, travel, and raise families in safe communities. And their children are able to be educated and come home safely. That is important. 
We just experienced another tragic event in a Christian school in Nashville, where a transgender with mental problems took the life of six people. As expected the narrative was immediately centered around gun control. Surprisingly, some even acted like the transgenders were victims rather than the Christian community who just saw six members lose their lives. But the solution will neither be found by discussing narratives around political fringe communities nor vocalizing failed policy ideas that would not work. We need to have a broader conversation about why people in America are choosing violence at an alarming rate. Not just the big newsworthy events, but the small daily ones that are often ignored. The knee-jerk reaction from the left and progressives is the call for gun control. The typical response from the right is that gun control does not work. I think it is not surprising that many of these events typically happen in gun-free or restricted zones. In situations where the perpetrator hopes to not encounter anyone with the ability to put an end to them before they can unleash their rampage. We can all agree that bad people should not have access to dangerous weapons. We all can agree that we do not want these events to continue to happen. Should people have access to high caliber or certain types of weapons? I do not think we are ready to agree on that. But, I do think the idea of more stringent requirements for certain classes of weapons is appropriate. Something we have been on the forefront of calling for. People have a constitutional right to own and possess firearms in America. That is not debatable. That is settled law. The question is how to ensure that people who are mentally unstable or in a moment of crisis are not able to secure the means to do harm to others. We should not just pass off these incidents as something that just happens. But also should not be naive to think that gun control actually works. Does not work for New York or Chicago who claim to have the strongest laws in the nation. There is a need to be proactive to some degree and identify people who are potentially a harm to themselves and get them the help they need. The push for red flag laws does not do much if these people are not afforded the mental help they need. Sure they may be prevented from legally accessing a firearm, but they still are out in the general public with the intent to do harm. We need to find a way to connect them with the people who are best suited to provide them the help they need. We need real solutions rather than parroting politics that do not solve the real problems that exist. If we can find ways to address the overall problem with the high level of anger and resentment that exists, then maybe violence drops as well. Maybe people will not wish harm to others as an avenue of externalizing their own demons. There is never an excuse to do harm to people. I will never accept anyone believing violence is the answer to life's problem. But, we can work to address the issues that may lead to violence before it happens. In America, there is a constant promotion of victimhood, even in situations where it does not really exist. For instance, you accept a job with a pay level disclosed to you before your acceptance. In the eyes of some, you may be a victim of that company's greed because they did not give you a higher amount. Are you really the victim? No, you could have asked for more. Declined the offer. But that is the trend in our society now. Social influencers, politicians, and others offer victimhood as an excuse for your dissatisfaction with your state in life. Rather than providing you with agency. Letting you know that you can change your life for the better. You can fix the things that bother you in a productive manner. Or that the things external to you do not hold you back unless you let it. There is no encouragement for championing one's success. Truly empowering the individual. So what do we expect if every person thinks they are a victim of their circumstances without any power to change them? There is a time-tested warning that people should be wary of a caged animal. Because eventually that caged animal cannot be contained. Rather, one should probably take that animal out for a walk sometime. Get some fresh air and good food. The point is that we can do better than creating victims in our society. I think we need to do more to highlight people who elevate themselves from difficult circumstances. 
people who overcame the odds against them to achieve their wildest dreams. Life is all about choices and attitudes. There is always a choice. And we need to help people make the right choice. Attitudes matter. It is said that if you think you can or think you cannot, you are right. Mental health is an important part of life. Something I had to learn over time. Maybe we spend more time during the education system helping people develop positive mental health behaviors. There is too much time in our political discourse trying to lift certain groups by attacking other groups. People should be able to live in the manner they choose as long as it does not directly prevent another person from choosing their own lifestyle. In America, there is nothing really stopping you from living the life of your own choosing. Usually it is the persistent obsession with victimhood that makes people automatically believe that it is always demographics that are standing in the way. Discrimination is real, but not everything is discrimination. I find it interesting that the angle the president and the news took was to make the transgender the victim. I agree with you that people should be able to live your life in the terms of your choosing. The political narratives just show you the artificial nature in their stances. Biden completely mishandled the situation, which is not surprising. Basically saying the nation that is more important to find ice cream than to acknowledge the loss of Christian life, which he claims to be. There should not be any retaliation against transgendered, which is always a concern in our angry society. During the pandemic, we saw increasing anger towards Asian Americans by a diverse group of non-Asian Americans. Same with the time period following September 11th. There tends to be anger directed towards people that share a similar demographic with the perpetrator. Which is wrong. We should be able to separate the individuals or groups that commit the heinous acts without associating every person who just so happens to be from the same background or group. We see that with how people from Russian or Belarusian descent are being treated. The solution to our problems is not to simply redirect the anger towards other groups, but to lower anger overall. We need to stop using anger, resentment, and jealousy as an excuse to act in manners outside the accepted norm. We need to stop fostering anger or excusing anger. Then maybe we can start to solve some of our social problems. I think we can agree that people who wish to do harm to others should not be able to access the means of doing that harm. But, we should not prevent law-abiding people from obtaining the means of protecting themselves from harm of others. There is enough data available to show that gun ownership is not as dangerous as the left wants you to believe. Consider how dangerous many communities are becoming, especially in areas with progressive politicians. Why should the government prevent law-abiding citizens from protecting their households? We know progressives do not support law enforcement. We see progressive district attorneys send dangerous criminals right back to the streets to continue their lives of crime. So just because there is no ready and available solution, should we continue to listen and accept the ideas of the people that are creating the environment of anger that is a main part of the problem? And we should be naive enough to believe that bans prevent something from existing. Ban on drugs has not prevented Americans from dying from overdoses. We need to find real solutions to the real problems. Not just run to the mic with the same speech, the same narratives, and same ideas that have not proven effective. Welcome to the CRC Conversation segment of the podcast, where we discuss leading current events impacting our economy, public policy, and society. The number of nations opposing Russia is somewhat declining in 2023, as compared to when the invasion first occurred. Actually a few nations move towards Russia and China as the anti-Russia sentiment by the West is losing some steam. There is concern that some African nations may start engaging in more energy trade with Russia and economic trade with China because Russia and China do not include as many preconditions as the United States or Europe. Should we be at all concerned about the real strength of America on the world stage? Do we have a realistic view of our stance in the world? My name is Brad from the CRC team. 
I do think there is a global tug of war going on pitting the United States and our European allies against the Russian and Chinese alliance. Russia has consistently challenged America's standing since the Cold War ended. But for some time, lacked the economic ability or domestic stability to really go forward with that undertaking. For some time, China's drive to become the world's top economy is leading it to fill any gaps that America leaves as it retreats from certain areas of the world stage. During the Obama era, where the United States pulled back from the Middle East and other areas, there was gap created but filled with the likes of Russia and China. As former President Donald Trump ushered in the America First foreign policy, China saw its path towards the top curbed. But it is trying to offer the world an alternative to America as it tries to revive its standing following the global pandemic it caused and experienced recently. So, nations who are not aligned to either side may see opportunities with Russia and China as more suitable if they come without the human rights and climate change restrictions that the West requires, according to some reports. I think that it is natural for Americans to feel that the whole world wants to be Americans. More people want to come here than anywhere else in the world. People do want to experience freedom and opportunity. But may not want to deal with other stuff if not inside our borders. I was discussing with the team the Harvard Policy article regarding the impact of the Russia-Ukraine war, which had many interesting and insightful pieces. If a nation is not a democracy, would that nation be more inclined to work with the West who champions democracy or an alliance of autocracies that will not require freedom and democracy? For many nations, they simply want to stay neutral, but will take assistance or engagement with nations that have less preconditions, which is troubling for America. This should not come as a shocker. Also should not be something we take lightly. China spent a great deal of time fostering relationships with nations that they can exploit their natural resources. If we do not realize the need to foster better relationships with resource-rich nations and become more self-reliant, we may be exposed to greater economic risks from the Russia and China alliance than we currently anticipate. The Manhattan District Attorney is leading the progressive charge against the former President Donald Trump, scoring an indictment against the former president for supposed crimes related to the Stormy Daniels settlement. Democrats who staunchly oppose and despise Trump are cheering this indictment. Republicans point out the partisan aspect of this obvious witch hunt. There are more pressing issues facing the growingly dangerous borough in New York City. Although we do not know the actual charges yet, it does appear to be a political witch hunt that has the potential of making the former president a martyr and even more popular. My name is Adriana and welcome. The most effective anti-Trump politician in America was Donald Trump himself. This is a political witch hunt and I do not believe anyone can truly argue otherwise. We will see the charges eventually and it probably will prove petty, but we can expect the media to eat this up. Tradition in law enforcement is that minor crimes by high-profile people are usually not pursued. But, I am sure the district attorney is seeking some level of personal fame and career advancement, so he is hoping that the National Democrats will remember his assistance when he runs for something higher. From the Democrats' perspective, they hope that this makes him more likely the nominee and gives them a narrative for the general election that they can exploit. The risk is that they continue failing the American people that people overlook the negative aspects of the Trump persona and elect him in order to preserve their jobs and stop the economic bleeding we all are experiencing. Aside from the constant stories, Trump was an effective president overall. Better overall record than the current one who has us on the brink of World War III. For Republicans, there is a risk with Trump being the nominee because he is no longer that outsider. There is a clear more acceptable alternative with effective policies without the constant headlines, 
despite the Noral media hate for Republicans. I think it is a dangerous precedent in using law enforcement to attack political opponents. Not surprising for Democrats to say one thing and do another. Democrats seem to be a party operating in fear rather than the party of hope and ideas. The ideas we hear from them are the same old proven failures. They are responsible for the decline America is experiencing inside our borders and on the global stage. There is no honest counter-argument for them. Our economic state is a direct result of their policies. The global realignment is a direct result of their policies. So they need a distraction. They need to change the optics. And Trump serves as a convenient target for changing the political optics of the current situation. I highly doubt that the charges will be anywhere as serious as the allegations facing Hillary Clinton, who was never president. I doubt it will be as serious as the allegations facing Hunter Biden, who is not a politician. But, they need to create the narrative of criminality. Democrats forget that in America a person is innocent until proven guilty. Not guilty until they prove innocent. Again, Democrats are ushering America towards dangerous politics. The Democratic brand is not really looking that well in the current state. The party is no longer the party of John F. Kennedy or even Bill Clinton. Party of resentment, anger, and the wrong values. Finally, let us discuss the problems that plague our community libraries. These one centers for intellectual pursuits, learning, education, and development are devolving towards being a convenient rest area and a sleeping center for the homeless. While some have found ways to survive in an environment where tech has essentially made them obsolete, we need to find a way to redefine the modern-day library to meet the future needs of our communities. As our youth will continue to need to have places to do homework, study, and learn, we need to ensure that they are not impacted by the growing number of homeless that completely ruin these environments. My name is JP and welcome. This is a difficult challenge because the typical library is no longer relevant in a society dominated by tech. Many students rely on school-provided tablets or personal iPads for reading books that are now available on digital subscription. As our economy continues to stagnate, we unfortunately are seeing more homeless all around us. In front of grocery stores, public transportation centers, and sleeping in and outside of public libraries. Some libraries have struggled to even maintain their existence because homeless do not pay dues and public funding is not enough to keep the lights on. Difficult for libraries to effectively remove homeless because balancing compassion with the need to provide a safe and suitable environment in a largely government-funded facility. But, some libraries have found success by focusing less on book lending and more on being a digital cafe or meeting hub. Many libraries focus on catering to people needing a quiet place to do work or meet for projects. Some even have services catered to people needing professional services or public services like tax filing or learning about nutrition, exercising, and other functions. In any field, organizations must evolve when the public interest shifts and consumer taste changes. The modern-day library cannot simply be a place that offers you books to read. While some like to hold and read a physical book, the market has spoken. But, libraries can serve in a greater capacity. Personally, I still frequent libraries, where I do a great amount of work there. They provide a quiet place to work and some even have public meeting rooms. So, what would I do if I owned and operated a library in this day and age? First, I would try to appeal to those seeking a digital or internet cafe. Cater to local small businesses wanting to educate the public on important services and behaviors. For instance, connect with health systems to do monthly health education programs. Hospital environments are not inviting. But maybe people would go to a local library. I would definitely segment the library to cater to preschool-age children for weekend programs, or day social programs. Have areas to cater to the entrepreneurs that typically work from home but may need an office from time to time. 
I think the library can be a forum for information exchange. Be a forum for open objective discussions. The library can still serve the intellectual needs of the public without being centered around physical books. The goal would be to generate monthly foot traffic for people to get services they truly need. To recap this episode, we discuss the need for real solutions to our nation's problems. Ideas to address the overall problem, not just the symptoms. While gun violence is a major problem, so is overall violence. Violence might just be the side effect of the anger our politicians foster to advance their respective agendas. We discuss the global shifts in world politics as our enemies have eroded our position a bit. We discuss the dangerous path our politics is taking. Finally, we offered thoughts on how to preserve our libraries with a new modern-day approach. In closing, I thank Jennifer and the team for their continued contributions to this podcast. I especially thank the audience for taking the time to experience this episode of the Christopher Peter Review Podcast. We truly appreciate your viewership and continue to collaborate to ensure we offer you common sense and informative content. Please continue to visit us at www.crcrvw.com for new content and explore the content channels available. Thank you once again for experiencing this podcast episode and we will see you next time.